Another definition for the professional overthinker is a chronic underdoer. You hear that? If you're an overthinker, you're an underdoer. And actually, it's worse than that. When you are a professional overthinker, you could equally be described as a chronic underlifer. You are not living your life. You are underlifing in a major way. Hi, my name is Beth Stanfield. I'm a lawyer, entrepreneur, dance fitness instructor, speaker, and writer. But of all the things I have been and am becoming, the most sacred to me is that I am free. So welcome to the Beth Stanfield Free Podcast, aka BS Free. Welcome back, everybody, to the Beth Stanfield Free Podcast. I just want to thank you for listening and for the feedback that I've received over the last week or so. And honestly, it really means the world to me. It really does. Of all the things that I have set out to do since I left my large firm job a couple months ago, this has turned out to be my favorite, but it's also been the most eye-opening and the place where I've been able to be most myself, my most authentic human. And I think that is probably the most surprising to me of all of the things (laughs) that have happened since I went out on my own. So actually, today I want to tell you a little bit more about that process, about what it's been like to be an entrepreneur, to be my own boss. If you've been watching me on the Instagrams and the socials, you've seen a lot of things. It's been incredible. It's been joyful. It's been the most liberating and freeing experience. It's been terrifying. And it has been hard. And I want to speak to the hard right now in this podcast today. I had planned to talk about this topic later on, but we're going to go right in, and that is because it's been a tough couple days, and many, many times it's advisable to speak to certain elements that are painful when you've had an opportunity to reflect and heal. But there are other times when I think it's absolutely essential to speak from the place of difficulty so that the realness of it is expressed in its most pure and raw form. So if this is a little raw today, um, then it is. It just will be what it is. And um, I will do my best not to tamp the rawness, which was would be my instinct to do. I don't like emotion. I'm frankly not emotional often. I do not cry. And I also have historically associated emotion with weakness instead of what it really is. It's realness. So I'm going to start out by talking about the number one thing that has gotten me out of my head and into my life. And that is that I have been following my intuition. Let me start by explaining the vast and incredible stark difference it is and has been to let my intuition filter information and to become the primary chooser when it's time to make decisions. So we got to take a quick trip back through time. We're going to have to go back to the early ages and stages of life when I and those around me certainly identified me as a perfectionist. And um, perfectionists, most of them wear that title with pride because that means what? They're perfect? No, but we're aiming for perfection and we are ruthless with mistakes. 
Um, and so we do everything in our power to ensure that there are no mistakes. We take in all the information. We review and read and process as much as we possibly can on the given subject. We process it meticulously. We sort it. We organize it. We do all this up in our minds. And nothing is produced. Nothing comes out of your mouth until it's been edited to the nines. All right? Everything is planned. Everything is curated. Everything is edited. Everything is in its place. We make very good copywriters and brief writers and students, frankly. And finally, we make great professionals, especially if you are operating in a profession, both requires and celebrates perfectionistic qualities. As an attorney, this is a really valuable trait. It's a very valuable component of one's particular DNA. And so when I come to the table as an attorney, the product that you get is a highly intensely scrutinized work product cultivated over the period of over two decades and engineered to be perfect in every respect, tonally, on the subject matter, in its persuasive element, in its compelling impact, and ultimately in its punctuation. Every single little bit has to be perfect. And then you can package it up and go to court knowing that you are the most prepared person in the room. So everything that I've done in my professional life has been supported by, encouraged by, celebrated by these deep instincts towards perfectionism. Okay, so that's the good part of perfectionism. Is there a bad side? Of course. There's a huge downside to perfectionism. And I'm sure all of you out there have your own particular story about how perfectionism has kept you silent, stuck, small, overthinking in your head. And I would love to hear from you. If anything, just to know that I'm not alone over here. For me, the greatest downside of perfectionism has been in its unequaled, unparalleled ability to keep me completely chained in my own mind. When it comes to the elements of my life in which I am the most passionate, in which I am the most driven, in which I am the most missional, and in those areas, those things that mean the most to be, that are the most intrinsic elements of who I am, my perfectionism has kept me completely bound up and unable to speak. It's one thing to allow your perfectionistic tendencies, your very detailed-oriented, process-oriented tendencies to serve the aims of a third party. And in those ways, that third party is very well served by having someone with those types of tendencies on their payroll. But when the third party is you, and it's your baby, your dream, your purpose on the line, your reputation, your credibility, your business on the line. Perfectionism is crippling. And this type of overthinking perfectionism that I'm talking about is really better described in another way. Another definition for the professional overthinker is a chronic underdoer. You hear that? If you're an overthinker, you're an underdoer. And actually, it's worse than that. When you are a professional overthinker, you could equally be described as a chronic underlifer. 
just like I talked about in the last episode, which please go listen if you haven't yet. You'll need to listen for this one to make complete sense to you. But if you are a professional overthinker, you are not living your life. You are under lifing in a major way. You are not in motion. And what is the antidote to chronic perfectionism in the form of overthinking and underlifing, underdoing? It is to move with intuition. Uh, let me go ahead and tell you, I didn't read this anywhere. I didn't listen to a podcast. I didn't listen to a TED Talk. I didn't join any type of group where we were talking about intuition that drilled this down into me, that this was the path to get out of my head, that this would be the number one way that I would find the portal, the trap door out of my cerebral life. Now, don't get me wrong. I have bolstered my belief in the absolute essential importance of following your intuition as the main primary way to get out of your head. I have bolstered that with experts, reading, talks, community, podcasts, all of it. And I'm not even close to done. But I stumbled upon the knowledge that my intuition had to be my guiding light in this season when I made the crazy countercultural decision to step away from a career that I spent over two decades building to do something that my heart, my intuition knew that I was born to do. But again, let me emphasize on paper, this was crazy. On paper, it made no sense to do this this way. But my intuition knew that the only way that I would get into motion was by taking the leap of faith. My intuition know, knew that the only way that I would be able to produce any fruit from the dreams that I've been carrying for so long, the only way that I would be able to get in motion would be to get out of my head. And the only way I would be able to get out of my head is if I chose an environment that elevated and honored my intuition. I knew that if I had stayed in that environment, I would be making the choice to stay within the safety of perfectionism, within the safety of knowing that I am cultivating a edited solution, a curated solution, a solution that checked all the boxes on paper, but at what cost? At the cost of my own life, my real life, at the cost of my calling. And this leads us to why following your intuition Following your gut, following that thing that allows you to break free and bypass that tendency to overthink everything, check everything, research everything, do everything to make sure that whatever happens looks right, lands right, sounds right, is right. The only way you could do that is if you allow yourself to make mistakes. And all the perfectionists out there listening are like, ugh cringe. No, we don't do that, do we? But what allows the professional overthinker, underdoer, underlifer, what allows that person to actually get to the point where they're willing to make mistakes? I'll tell you what it is. Listen up right here. This is the secret. For the perfectionist overthinker, the worst possible thing that could happen, the worst fear is the shame, embarrassment, the loss that they experience personally when they make mistakes. That's the worst fear. That is the ultimate thing we must 
avoid. And we do avoid. The shift for me happened when my worst fear as a innate perfectionist was overcome when it was eclipsed by the worst fear of my actual life. My worst fear is that I will not live the life that I was called to, that I was designed for. Some amazing, crazy, transformational things over the last couple years have revealed to me that I was born to speak, born to communicate, born for freedom, born to impart that freedom, speak that freedom, communicate that freedom into your life, into existence, into a world in a way that cultivates incredible transformation. When I started to own that as my own, I hope you hear that. When I started to own it, not just know it, not have knowledge of that, but when I started to own it, that's when the fear of not pursuing that became greater than the fear of making mistakes. The fear of not living my true life is greater than the fear of looking like a fool. And that, my friends, was the key that opened the trap door and allowed me to get out of my head. That right there. And that's not the only thing, but it was the key. That was the beginning to honor that knowledge within myself and follow the intuition of her to allow me to get into movement by accepting the possibility of failure and mistakes. And it's all fun and games, isn't it? Until you actually start making mistakes. Since I made that massive decision, number one, to honor the call of my intuition, to leave a safe environment, a comfortable paycheck, and to do something completely different. When I left, all I knew is that I saw a major gap in the legal services community for female entrepreneurs. I knew and have observed throughout my career that the traditional law firm setting was not serving female entrepreneurs well. I would see men continue to advance in their own businesses and in their own right into the multi-millions, but I continued to see women business owners stay in the six-figure world or lower and not progress at the rate of their male counterparts. I continued to see that women were far more reluctant to bet on themselves and take a leap of faith into business ownership, or even to do so solo. They would prefer to do so with a group, and that in and of itself would lead to problems because it was not in line with that woman's initial gut instinct and intuition. And I saw firsthand uh, many, many times where the, the system, the law firms just did not serve women well in the sense that uh, it, it is a very masculine environment. It is very executive. It's very perfectionistic. And it's not a very intuitive environment per se. And that in and of itself was a problem because it did not and does not align with how so many women, so many people like me are built. And the way that they communicate, the way they make decisions, the way they want to operate their businesses, that in and of itself was a huge disconnect for many of the women that I talked to throughout my career and over the last couple months about why they have not reached out and shored up the foundations of their business. 
And then finally, you know, another big thing is that's just too dang expensive. So when I left my firm a couple months ago, all I knew was that I wanted to create a national law firm to serve female entrepreneurs and bridge the gap in the legal services world. I also knew that as a fledgling business owner and founder of a very different type of business that I would need to allow myself the freedom of trial and error, the freedom to make mistakes, the freedom to see what works, what doesn't, even though everything in my perfectionistic brain and conditioning over the course of over two decades in the legal world is screaming at me to go back to the safety of perfectionism. But the problem, of course, is that would only lead to more inaction. That would only lead to zero points on the scoreboard because you cannot, what is the phrase? You can't make the shots that you never take. Something like that. You, you can't ever win the game that you never play. You got to get some skin in the game. And I know that. And getting skin in the game requires you to put yourself out there. To allow yourself to be seen as a beginner, as the beginner that you are. One of the dictates of my intuition in moving from the environment that I was in for so long and into this beautiful world of business ownership and creating a platform to see women just absolutely soar in business is allowing myself as an owner, as a professional, as someone who is offering a extremely important and essential service to women who are also business owners in doing all this. I am committed to doing it with my whole self, my true self, not holding major pieces of who I am back and celebrating them, allowing myself to show up in the world, both as a professional, but also as someone who is obsessed with dance, fitness, and hip hop. And listen, it may surprise some of you that it's 2023 and most women like me in the professional world are really scared of showing up as their true selves online for fear of professional repercussions. And one of the absolutely incredible things I love about business ownership is that not only do I not have to worry about that because I'm not going to fire me for twerking on the interwebs. But to see women just like me in their own lives, in their own communities, in their own world, internally and externally living an integrated full life where they don't have to separate pieces of themselves from their personal and professional life. And while I don't think there's any better way to do that than to own your own business, I am speaking to all women who feel that strain so deeply that separation and that segmentation that they feel in their lives. But as I have processed through and planned, how do I want to introduce myself and my business to the world on the interwebs and locally here in my community, I have committed to doing so by allowing my intuition to lead and by committing not to hide myself in the process. And folks, it's been really hard. I just want to acknowledge that because it's the truth. What you've seen, for those of you that have seen anything, what you've seen is all real, all true, but none of it has been easy to get out there. It has all been done with a lot of fear and trembling, with shaky hands, with trembling voice even. 
And over the last couple days, I've really been working to get some feedback from my community, from coaches, from people that I trust and who are aligned in terms of business mission. And the early results are in and it's been really, really hard. As hard as it has been to put myself out there, it's been even harder to receive feedback that threatens to confirm my worst fears that the trial and error has been mostly error. Not to be overly dramatic, (laughs) but the mission's too important. You're too important. The need in the market is too important. My feelings, as real as they are, as valid as they are, are not that important. I still say I will let myself be a fool if it keeps me in motion, if it allows me to live my actual life my fullest life. And I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to find the people that need what I have. And I have to remind myself that change does not happen unless and until people are willing to do something different. And some of the feedback I've received is just the natural human response to seeing a woman doing something different. I'm just not that interested anymore in looking the part, playing the part, All I care about, truly, is using everything that I have to serve the community of women that need the services that I have, fulfilling the calling that I have, and helping you fulfill yours. That's all that matters. So I want to leave you with a couple things before this podcast comes to a close. The first is just to acknowledge for my perfectionists out there, my overthinkers who have dedicated themselves to the experiment of intuition. It's just hard. And if you're in it, then you're not alone because I'm in it too. And one of the things that is difficult about it is when the feedback comes back (laughs) and your worst fears are confirmed, you did make mistakes, you did miss the mark. And then when you do, it hurts. It hurts so hard it'll take your breath away. You're going to be tempted to run back to the prison of perfection, but please don't. Please move forward with me. I need you too. And you know this as well as I do. Going back means going back to doing nothing. Going back to the prison that you just escaped from. And we're not going to do that. Because in the economy of putting the mission before your ego, before your pride, before your reputation even, and you've got to trust that when you're following your intuition, your reputation is really still intact. But that economy, that exchange will require your mistakes. It will require you to put yourself out there and you'll pay the price. You have to pay it. It's part of the price of entry into the growth you are moving into. And so to encourage all of us who are in this journey of honoring our intuition and committing ourselves to getting out of the prison of perfectionistic overthinking, I wrote this and I'm going to read it to you. It's called Intuition. In a culture obsessed with mindset, I am most proud of my decision to move out of my mind. I've packed up my most precious belongings, my knowing, my kindness, my curiosity, my courage, and followed my soul's pull towards aligned energy. As I sit and type these words, there is a quiet, rustling, glowing warmth 
in my center. It's where my decisions are made, where they now live. It looks like a gentle, smoldering campfire that's been carefully tended for weeks. It speaks the language of fire. It's drawn toward aligned energy and moves like oxygen to flame. Here, the decision-making process is simple. The what-ifs, the not-readies, the need more information, the tomorrows, the next years, those familiar, tired scripts of the mind are deprived of oxygen. I am in my radiant center, so I do not hear them. I do not see them. I cannot feel them. They hold no energy, no emanating heat, no space to move. I can only move into the welcome warmth of energy. I understand only the language of alignment. But do not mistake the simplicity of this decision for size. I have made some enormous moves from this place, and I'm only getting started. All right, everybody, that's it for me for today. Another episode is coming up pretty quick after this one. You will definitely not want to miss it. And in the meantime, I would love to hear from you. Find me on Instagram at BS Free Podcast, and let me know if you too are just trying to get out of your head and into your life.